The following is a chapter reading of the Worm Audiobook Project. Please support the original author at parahumans.wordpress.com or by donating to his Patreon at patreon.com slash wildbow. Arc 12. Plague. 12.3. Fuck. Gru swore the second his boat hit land. Let me guess. Regent remarked to bitch. He's been swearing since we left. Bitch nodded. The travelers had already arrived. They stood in a huddle by the water while Genesis disintegrated into several vaguely floating body parts. Coil just bent us over and fucked us, Gru said. I don't know, Tattletail answered. That might have been the only way for him to play things, with the way his power and operations work. That would do a hell of a lot more to ease my concerns if I had any idea what his power was. Tattletail only offered an apologetic half-smile and a shrug to that. I tried to help her out. Look, we do know that Coyle is smart, he's proud, and he's at his best when he's managing his enterprise. Being cooped up, he'd be hit hard in all three areas. Limited tools to work with, limited access to his people, and he'd be less powerful in a way that everyone would be aware of. That doesn't excuse how thoroughly he just screwed us without even trying to help us out. I shook my head. I don't think he's completely screwed us over. We know Coyle's got at least one undercover agent, Trainwreck. Tattletail interrupted to say, He's got a whole lot more than one. Thought he might. Doesn't it make sense that he'd assist us by being one himself? I get the impression he likes the control it affords him and the amount of information he can get this way. Maybe. Gru conceded. We should focus on where we go from here, I said. Agreed, Trickster called out. Genesis had finished disappearing, and Trickster was walking over to our group, followed by Sundancer and Ballistic. He extended a hand for Gru to shake, then turned to Tattletail, me, Regent, and Bitch to do the same. Bitch didn't take his hand, turning away to focus on her dogs instead. Trickster took the snub in stride. If nothing else, I'm glad we get a chance to talk. Unless things get a lot worse from here, I'm hoping we'll all be working side by side for a little while. Let's hope. Gru agreed. Trickster said, We just sent Genesis back in a more discreet form to listen in. Imp is staying behind as well, Tattletail informed him. So we've got redundancy there. Christ. Gru snapped his head from one side to the next, as if he could spot his sister that way. With a note of alarm in his voice, he asked, Imp's still there? She's okay, Tattletail reassured him. They won't notice her. They could. We don't know how consistently her power works, or if it works in a group that large. And we can't be sure we know every power the people there have, if anyone has some extra senses that might bypass her ability. Fuck. This is the exact type of situation I wanted to keep her away from. The whole reason I let her join this group was to keep her close enough that I could rein in this sort of recklessness. She's a bit of a rebel, but she's not stupid, Tattletail said. Trust her to hold her own. I wouldn't trust myself to hold my own in her shoes. Gru told me. Christ. Skitter, can you send a few bugs over that way? Tell me if she's in one piece. I nodded, while Trickster slapped his forehead. The bugs, he said. 
I could have told Genesis to stick around while you scouted. Wait, no. Why send Imp if you have the bugs? I can't see or hear through the swarm, really. Not well enough to listen in. You did once, Tattletail told me. That surprised me. When? After the fight with Bakuda, you were doped up, hurt, you had a concussion, but you were able to tell us what kind of music someone was listening to when he was way out of earshot. Seriously? And you didn't tell me this? Gru shook his head. Just speaking for myself, I had a lot on my mind, between you and the others being in rough shape, and the ABB setting off bombs across the city. I completely forgot until just now. Sorry. Tattletail nodded. That's huge, I said. Do you know how much I could use something like that? Why can't you now? Trickster asked. Bugs sense things so differently my brain can't translate what they see and hear into something I can process. It's all black and white blotches, high-pitched squeals, and bass throbs. I paused. Amp's perfectly fine, by the way. At least, I can't find her, but nobody's reacting like they found a spy in their midst. Gru sighed. Okay. So the sensory part of your power, you stopped trying? Tattletail asked. The way she phrased that nettled me. In the three months between my getting my powers and first going out in costume, I saw zero improvement in that department. None. Zilch. When I did start going out in costume, I was worried the useless sights and sounds might distract me at some crucial juncture. Between that and the fact that it was like hitting my head against a metaphorical brick wall. You gave up, Regent said. He was trying to get on my nerves. I knew it. I stopped trying, but now that I know it's somehow possible, I don't know. I can start looking for a way. The degree to which it would expand my capabilities, it was tempting. That kind of expansion of my sensory abilities could be a matter of life and death at some point. I could theoretically listen in on most of the people in my territory. Would I want to, though? The invasiveness of that kind of creeped me out, and I had a pretty high creepiness tolerance. It might be like your range boosts, tied to your mental state, Tattletail said. Except my range boosts are probably linked to me feeling trapped, and I somehow doubt I felt that way when I was doped up and waking up in a hospital bed, or ambulance, or whatever. It's something you can work through, she said. And now that you know to look for it, you should push yourself to use that part of your power so you can see when it's weaker or stronger. I nodded and willed myself to tear down all the mental barriers and safeguards that walled my brain off from the sights and sounds the bugs wanted to send my way. It was every bit as grating and annoying as I recalled. This would take some getting used to. Listen, Trickster said. Ballistics HQ is close by. Since my group is going to be waiting for Genesis, and you guys will want to hang around and pick up Imp when she's done, maybe you want to come by and we can discuss strategy in the meantime? Sounds like a good idea, Rue said. Thanks. Ballistic gestured toward a nearby street, and we all started walking in that direction. Gru started us off. Number one, we know that they were here to recruit. Who were they recruiting? Me, Regent said. That drew a few looks of surprise from the travelers. He elaborated. My sister is their newest member, replaced Hatchetface. She did it to fuck with me more than out of genuine desire to have me join. 
Armsmaster is another, I pointed out. According to Miss Militia, Mannequin wanted him in. The, uh, sixth member of the Travelers is the next recruit, I guess. Trickster admitted. Crawler hit Coyle's place. Sixth? I asked. If there's four of you, then... We have two group members who don't see any combat. They spend most or all of their time at Coyle's headquarters. I understand if that raises a lot of questions, but I... We would really appreciate it if you guys could leave it at that for now. I'm thinking we'll introduce you to the others soon. I'm okay with dropping in as long as you guys are not withholding anything crucial. Gru said. I'm happy to stay on topic as much as possible anyways. Trickster tipped his hat. Appreciated. Looked like Hookwolf got hit. His entire group did. Shatterbird? Yeah, Tattletail replied. Can confirm that one. Shatterbird, Crawler, Mannequin, and... I trailed off, looking at Regent for help in placing the name. Cherish. If the condition of Faultline's crew was any indication, Tattletail said, we can make an educated guess that Burnscar paid them a visit. Thing is, I can't even begin to guess who she visited. Spitfire is too nice, and none of the others really have that, I don't know, edge? In any case, that leaves the people who Jack, Siberian, and Bonesaw nominated. Any ideas? I glanced across our groups. No one moved to reply. Maybe they're not done? Sundancer spoke up. Or maybe some of them aren't picking new members? Maybe they're not done, Tattletail spoke. But I think they are. From what I've read on them, and what my power is giving me, I have the distinct impression that they would all have made some kind of move by now. They either hit all at once, shock and awe, or they draw it out. This is the former. But are they all picking new members? Tattletail shrugged. No clue. We know of four, at least. Ballistic led us into a parking garage. We walked between rows of cars that had been pummeled by the floodwater. Panels had been dented, windows shattered, and some of the cars had been lifted and pushed onto one another. Sundancer formed a tiny sun and held it up for light, while Regent turned on the flashlight he'd brought. We descended into the bowels of the garage and stopped at a ramp between the second level down and the third. It had collapsed, and both rubble and two or three cars sat in the water that flooded the floor below. This way, Ballistic said. He grabbed a length of pipe that stuck out where the ramp had collapsed and climbed down. Trickster gestured and we moved to follow. Clever, clever. Out of sight from any vantage point on the level above, short walls had been set around the fallen ramp. They ensured that the flooding and the wreckage were all contained to one area to sell the illusion, and kept everything else on the lowest level of the basement dry. Cars had been removed, clearing the area for use as an underground base. Ballistic pulled off his mask and tossed it onto the bed that sat in the corner. He cleared a few dirty dishes from the table in the middle of the area and invited us to sit while he fetched some extra seats. He had a bit of a heavy brow and a snub nose, and his short brown hair, damp with sweat, made me think of the jocks that always seemed to gravitate towards Sophia. Still, he wasn't a bad-looking guy. If a guy like him had asked me out in some alternate universe where Emma had never stopped being my friend and I'd never been bullied, just going by his looks, I might have said yes. Trickster unmasked as well. He definitely didn't remind me of one of the jocks. His hair was longer than many girls wore theirs. 
He had light brown skin and an unfortunate hook nose. Combined with his intense stare, he gave me the impression of a hawk or some other bird of prey. Gru, Tattletail, and Regent all unmasked as well while they got themselves seated. Trickster offered each of them a cigarette, then offered one to me. I turned him down, as did the others. So, what are we discussing here? Sundancer asked from behind me. I turned and saw a rather attractive blonde girl with a long neck and delicate features. Her hair was expertly pinned up behind her head. I was under the impression that the Slaughterhouse Nine were pretty much unbeatable. No, Brian said. Some of them maybe, but others are as vulnerable as you or me. Thing is, Dinah told us that our odds against these bastards aren't good. Our chances of winning are pretty low, and it's pretty damn likely we'll get killed if we confront them head-on. So we don't confront them head-on, Trickster said. Feeling conspicuous as the only one with a mask on, I pulled mine off. It took me a few seconds to adjust to the blue tint that everything had after I'd spent over an hour looking through the pale yellow lenses of my mask. I realized Trickster was setting up a laptop. He placed it at one corner of the table, facing the rest of us. Oliver? I'm here, Trickster. A male voice came from the computer. Feel like patching in Noelle? Sure. She's in okay mood. A little drowsy. I'll be right back. Trickster pressed a button on the keyboard, then turned to us. Tattletail. I'll be as quick as I can. Coyle promised he'd get you to help us, but he's taken his time introducing you to our group. The cynic in me suspects there a reason, and the pessimist in me says the reason is that he's already figured out what you're going to tell us, and that it isn't going to be pretty. Okay. Tattletail was all business. Noelle is going to ask you for help. Lie to her. Tell her you're already on it. Roll with it if she gets angry or if she's impatient. She's sensitive. I don't know how your powers work, really, but if you realize whatever it is that Coyle doesn't want us to know, don't tell Noelle. She's the one Crawler visited? I asked. Trickster nodded once. Hello? A girl's voice came from the computer. Trickster hit a key, which I assumed was to take himself off mute. He hit another series of keys, and a webcam feed snapped up to cover the screen. Noelle had long brown hair, and she wore a red sweatshirt. She looked like someone who was ill. She was horribly pale. She had dark circles under her sunken eyes, and her lips were chapped. I was reminded of drug addicts in the early stage of addiction, where they were deteriorating because the drugs took a higher priority than taking care of themselves. Was Coyle drugging her, too? Noelle, Trickster said. You've asked to be included more. I thought you'd be okay with this. She nodded. Left to right, we have Gru, Regent, Skitter, Bitch, and Tattletail. There wasn't a flicker of a smile or any interest in her face until she heard the last name. Tattletail? Noelle, Tattletail spoke. It's nice to finally meet you. Listen, I'm working on your situation. Coyle's filled me in on the basics and I'm chasing down some leads, but something's come up with the Slaughterhouse Nine, and everything's on hold until we can be sure they won't kill us in the meantime. I could see Trickster tense. Was Noelle so high-strung or desperate that she threw a tantrum over being asked to wait? Coyle was telling the truth, Noelle said in a small voice. You can help? Honestly, I don't know. But I'm a fucking genius when it comes to getting answers, 
and Koyo's got all the resources in the world. If there's help to be had, we'll give it to you. How soon will you know? No idea. I don't think it'll be as fast as you want, but it's doable. And it won't take so long that you should give up. Okay. In the meantime, Trickster cut in, giving Tattletail a thumbs-up gesture from a position outside the laptop's field of view. We need our old field commander's brain on the Slaughterhouse Nine sitch. A distraction would be nice. Noelle smiled for the first time. Field commander? She used to be the leader of their group? I wondered if I could dig up any information about her if I hunted back far enough. I could see Brian fidget under the table. He wasn't liking the constant distractions from the subject at hand. Eight enemies, Trickster said. Now, I'm not a serious player of the game. I'm sorry to any of you undersiders who are irritated by the way I'm about to butcher it, but the way I see it, their leader is like the king in chess. More raw power than a pawn, but in the end, he's simultaneously the second weakest piece in the game, and the one everything hinges on. We take him down without getting massacred in the process. I think we win. Jack Slash, Noelle said. Right. Siberian's like the queen. She's fast, mobile, one of the strongest physically, and the bitch of the matter is, she can't be taken off the board, and she can't be contained. A special queen, if you will. Physically, she's an unstoppable force and an immovable object any time she wants to be. To my right, Bitch picked up the puppy and settled it in her lap. It curled up and nestled against the cupped circle of her arms and hands. Then there's Crawler, who visited us the other night. Maybe not as fast or agile as Siberian, and he can be contained, but he can't be taken off the board. A special rook. I'm wondering how far you can stretch this chess analogy, Trickster. Ballistic commented. Trickster ignored him. Shatterbird and Burnscar are like bishops. They've got mobility, reach, and they can bury you damn fast if you don't have the right kind of cover. What about Mannequin? Another rook? I asked. I'd peg him as a knight. He's more close range, but he'll catch you from an oblique angle, maybe slip past whatever defenses you think you have. Which leaves Cherish and Bonesaw, Gru said. We'll have to trust Regent to give us the details on Cherish. Regent nodded and tapped his finger against his chin. My sister. I don't know if you would call her a third bishop or a knight. Long range on her power, gets stronger as she gets closer, affects your emotions, and as far as I'm aware, there's no way to defend against her or take cover. If she decides she wants to hurt you or make you hurt yourself, she can find you and she'll make it happen. But she has no special defenses. Grew cut in. She's vulnerable to pretty much any knife, gun, or power we can hit her with. Can we gang up on her? Sundancer asked. She can affect multiple people at once, Regent said. So it's not that easy. That means we have to beat her at her own game. Trickster mused. Tracker. Beat her in long-range warfare. I could use my puppets to go after her, Regent said but she can paralyze them with the kind of uncontrolled physical reactions I can't cover with my power. I am immune to her, for all the good it does. How far does her offensive range extend? I asked. No clue. I'd guess she can sense emotions across the entire city, which is how she's finding people. But in terms of attack, I don't have any basis to make a guess. Farther than my dad, Heartbreaker, but not citywide, no. 
The ability to track us by our emotions is a good enough reason to take her out of action ASAP, Trickster said. So long as she's active, it'll be that much harder to catch the others off guard. Maybe, I started. Then I hesitated. Feeling the pressure of everyone's attention on me, I said, maybe my power will outrange hers. Not in terms of what we see and sense, but in terms of who can do more damage from further away. It's a thought. Gru agreed. Risky, but we don't have many options. Trickster, where does Bonesaw fit into your analogy? Trickster shook his head. She doesn't. She's relatively weak in terms of raw power, but her presence on the field threatens to change the rules. She's a medical tinker. THE medical tinker. So long as she's in play, we can't be certain of our enemy's attack power. We can't know that any enemy we clear from the field will stay gone. And there could be harsh penalties if they catch or kill one of us. It sucks to think about, but if Bonesaw got her hands on, say, Sundancer, it'd be a hell of a lot more worried than if Hookwolf or Skidmark did. Sundancer muttered something to Ballistic, but I couldn't make it out. What about our side? Noelle asked. Lots of playing pieces, not all cooperating, and we have one debatable advantage, Trickster said. We know in advance, pretty much for a fact, that if any of us, undersiders or travelers, try to fight these bastards, we're going to lose, and we'll lose hard. Tattletale say that? Noelle asked. Coyle did. Trickster answered. Odd. So Noelle was staying with Coyle, but she didn't know about Dinah. Another secret or white lie from her team? I can't help but think of the desecrated monk scenario, Noelle said. I saw Trickster, Sundancer, and Ballistic all nodding. When I turned to my team, they looked as confused as I was. Was this desecrated monk someone the travelers had gone up against at some point before they came to Brockton Bay? Go on, Trickster encouraged her. The rules are unfair. Half of our opponents are pretty blatantly cheating, but we have to deal with them anyways. So either we cheat back, which we can't, or you guys handle it the way we did it before. You don't fight the way they want to fight. Okay. Trickster nodded. So the first question we ask ourselves is how do they want to play this? What do they want, in terms a five-year-old could understand? They want their ninth member, I said. Right. They want to hurt, scare, and kill people. Tattletail put in her two cents. Why? Reputation? Entertainment? Tattletail said. These guys are monsters, and pretty much anyone who watches TV, surfs the web, or reads the papers knows it. I saw it out of the corner of my eye. Noelle's expression shifted all at once from being animated and engaging to the same look she'd worn when the webcam feed went live. Disinterested. Hurt. Hopeless. She'd been scouted. Unlike Regent, it hadn't been to mess with her. It had been because a freak like Crawler legitimately thought she was one of them. If Tattletail was sitting next to me, I would have kicked her under the table. Noelle suddenly perked up, saying, They want to hunt. They're predators. Okay. How can we use that? Trickster leaned forward to look at the screen. They want to be the predators? We make them prey, Noelle said. She was looking more animated again. I'm not sure that's possible, but keep going. It's not possible because, um, 
You describe them like they're chess pieces, and we're thinking in terms of a chess game. What if we change the game? I always preferred Go, Trickster said. But Go is about territory, give and take, less about aggression than an educated sparring match between two master swordsmen, each walking away with a new kernel of knowledge. Go applies more to taking over the city than it does to the scenario. Shogi? Noel suggested. Shogi. I got her meaning almost immediately, and I wasn't alone. Tattletail, the Travelers, and I all looked at Regent. Regent, Bitch, and Gru, for their part, were left looking bewildered. Maybe you should clarify? Gru suggested. Shogi is like an eastern variant of chess, I said. Some of the pieces move a little differently, though I can't remember how. But the big difference is that there's a rule that says you can take any of the opponent's pieces you've captured and place them on the board as your own. More or less right, Trickster said. So the question becomes, Gru thought aloud, who can we beat in an indirect confrontation, capture and control? Jack, Bonesaw, I said. Gru shook his head. They know they're vulnerable. Either they'll be watching their backs or the others will watch their backs for them. Regent said, Siberian is out. And while we might theoretically be able to capture and contain Crawler or Mannequin, I don't know if we could keep them still long enough for me to use my power on them. If I can. Their bodies are different. I counted the enemies off on one hand. Leaving Cherish. Regent shook his head. She knows me. Has measures in place. Burnscar and Shatterbird. I finished. The bishops, Trickster said. Easier said than done. Gru sighed. Noel's face disappeared from the webcam, and a blonde boy popped up in his place. Oliver? Trickster, Genesis is waking up. She's done whatever you had her doing. Long stint, Trickster replied. She'll be groggy. That means Imp is probably done, too. Gru spoke. She'll need a ride back. I finished his thought. Should leave her there for a bit as punishment for staying behind. Gru grumbled. Still, he stood and pulled on his helmet. But it's not worth the grief she'll give me. Softy. Tattletail grinned. Are you coming back? Trickster asked. How long will it be before Genesis is able to brief us on the meeting? Fifteen, twenty minutes? Then we'll be back to finish the strategy session. Gru responded. Trickster turned to his teammates. Mind giving Noel and me a minute to talk? Sundancer and Ballistic stood. Joined by the two travelers, we made our way up the disguised ladder to the second sublevel of the parking garage. As one of the last to head up, I saw the adorable sight of Bitch managing the sleeping puppy, tucking it against her body with one arm, so she could scale the ladder one-handed. As she reached the top, I could hear Sundancer cooing. It's so cute. Is it a he or a she? He. What's his name? Bastard. I'm guessing you named him? Regent asked as I reached the top and stepped down onto solid ground. I missed Bitch's response. Had she nodded? I was surprised you brought him tonight, Gru said being remarkably delicate about the fact that Bitch had undercut any presence our group had by bringing the cute ball of fluff. It would have been better if he'd brought it up earlier, but he might have felt the same way I did about provoking Bitch before a major event, 
when she'd been so short-tempered lately. Bitch's response was surprisingly verbose. Had to. For the first year and a half, he's going to be like a dog. Need to train him as much as I can. Get him used to me. It'll be too hard if I wait. Like a dog? I asked. In the corner of my eye, I could see Tattletail's expression changed as she looked at the dog, clearly realizing something. As fast as I could turn her way and piece together what it was, something else got her attention. Shit! She breathed. She clutched at my arm with one hand and at Bitch's with the other, stepping back to pull us with her. Bitch pulled her arm from Tattletail's grip, looking angry at the invasion of personal space. Oh, fuck, I muttered, as I saw through the darkness to spot what Tattletail's power had noticed first. Four of the Slaughterhouse Nine were stepping through the entrance of the parking garage. The Siberian was in the lead, her waist-length hair blowing in the wind from outside, her eyes practically glowing in the gloom. Behind her, Jack Slash held Bonesaw's hand as the young girl skipped to make it so she only walked on the yellow lines that divided the lanes. They were accompanied by a young woman who might have been 18 or so years old, who bore a striking resemblance to Alec. Cherish. None of them wore costumes. The Siberian didn't wear anything. She was as nude as the day she'd been born, her skin patterned with stripes of alabaster white and jet black. Jack Slash noticed us, and his eyes drifted around the arch that led from the parking garage to the wet outdoors. He smiled. This is not an exit, 